Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Game Over Winnipeg. My name is Brady. I'll be your host tonight. I am joined by my good buddy Brian Finlayson from uh, Level Flight Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome and, back uh, to and Game yeah, Over Winnipeg. Oh, I forgot Winnipeg. to mute the stream, so you guys might have heard uh, an echo. But anyways, <laughs> uh, things are not going well, clearly, just like the game uh, for the Jets here tonight. Anyways, uh, as I was saying, I'm joined here by uh, my good buddy Brian. Brian, how are uh, how are you feeling tonight after that loss? Oh, I am just eh, there's so <laughs> many things that I I was just sitting there and just shaking my head at. So that's really the I I'm pretty sure I hurt my neck from shaking my head so much tonight. So yeah, it was uh, a pretty tough one to swallow. That's for sure. Uh, a lot, you know, obviously a five one loss. Uh, first goal coming. For the Kings being uh, our boy Pierre-Luc Dubois. Sorry, P.L. Dubois. My apologies. Um, <laughs> there's a lot to break down here tonight. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. But first, Brian, I'm, I'm just going to give you a, a very open statement. Uh, where what, what, what went wrong tonight? Like, the Jets have been looking good the past few nights, uh, past few games. Uh, I don't know about yourself. I was feeling pretty excited. Uh, on the season, and uh, I feel like tonight was a bit of a crashing back down to ground or back down to earth uh, for the Jets. Uh, where where did where did things go wrong here? Uh, well, I think I think things went wrong in the second, uh, where it was very clear that uh, LA went back to the locker room and schemed a little to figure out how to figure out because the first period was great. Like that looked like the Jets that we saw uh, for the bulk of the first two games there. And, um, you know, it's it's been a very promising start. Uh, and now uh, they go into the locker room with the first intermission. I'm sure they're feeling great. Um, they come back out and suddenly it's all L.A. And I, I think the real issue, though, is uh, we're seeing that. Uh, the in-game decision-making, uh, whether it's by players or coaching, it wasn't good enough. And I think that was where things went really wrong is because when you see a team that's suddenly just flipped on you like that, uh, there should be a better counterattack. And there really wasn't. And I mean, this is also in addition to the fact that they had to make some decisions uh, because very early, uh, Gabriel Velarde, uh had what appears to be a very uh, bad leg injury. And I'm Really hoping that it's going to be fairly good news, but I'm sorry when you see that replay and knees aren't supposed to bend that way. No. Um, so I'm 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 hoping for the best, but I'm not confident that it'll be the news we're looking to hear. Uh, so um, and, uh, like immediately you're, you're going to be running a little bit strange because you have to start juggling when your you know top line winger is down for the count and you know they're they're gone for the game. So you saw a bunch of different guys rotating up there, um, but clearly that was among the many things that they had to make the decisions about. And a lot of the things just didn't work for the rest of the game for the jets and the things that the Kings changed worked very well for them. And also it helps when cam Talbot plays like that year in Edmonton, where he played like 180 games in a season and the playoffs. So I didn't, I didn't think he was that good tonight, to be honest. Like I thought he was, I thought he made the saves when he needed to, but I also kind of felt like the jets just didn't have it tonight. And I, I think, I think the Velarde injury is, I mean, like, obviously, you lose a top line winger, that's going to affect your team going forward. But <clears throat> I'm glad that you did uh, uh, mention the the decisions 
that were made uh, in regards to that injury. Uh, and, you know, immediately once that happens, w- the first thing we see is Vladimir Mestikov jumps up onto that line. Um, that was one of the things I actually really w- I wanted to ask you what your thoughts were um, specifically on, you know, the choice of bringing, you know, Vladdy off of the fourth line, bringing him all the way up to the top, not disturbing the second line, not disturbing the third line. Um, do you think that was the right call? What would you have done in that situation? Uh, how are you feeling on on the, the mid-game adjustments that were made by the Jets? tonight see it's interesting because i don't hate bringing uh vladdy up to the top line just because i think that there's aspects of his game that play really well um with the the playmaking and the scoring of the other two but i I think the issue lies there though with aside from that little bit last year where he was succeeding with uh, i think it was wheeler and ehlers um historically he's not been a very prolific offensive guy um, and his offensive IQ isn't always what you're hoping for in that situation. Um, I do, though, think his speed and his sort of tenacious ability to really sort of get in there and, um, you know, play a pretty solid game all around. I think it helps, especially with two guys who aren't exactly known for playing that full 200 foot game, um, especially. And it's too like Velarde plays a, a nice, you know, complete game. So when you replace a guy who plays a little bit closer to that 200 foot style with another guy who plays that 200 foot style, you're, you're going to get a a little bit better of a result there, but I actually would have liked to have seen a little bit longer of a look of say a Rasmus Kapari, who I thought looked really good tonight. Mm -hmm. And I think that could have been a good reward and also a learning moment to figure out, does he have what it takes to play, you know, in a top six role um, because since he's been here, he's profiled as like that, you know, bottom six, you know, fourth line center guy. Um, I don't know what we get in a situation where he would be in, you know, a top line winger spot. Uh, but I don't think it's the worst idea to try it out. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you there. I, I thought, <clears throat> excuse me, geez, my throat is just. Uh, yeah, I like I I thought Rasmus Kupari had a, a, a great game, and he's had a, a great couple games now. Uh, despite you know the one big issue, obviously, was that one goal uh, right near the end of the game of the uh, the Calgary game. But other than that, he's had so many nice little flashes of of offense. You know his speed looks looks uh you know like a big part of his game. He looks like he can bring kind of an offensive edge. And so yeah, I I completely agree with you. I would have loved to have seen him get uh, a couple more shifts right off the hop uh, with those two guys. I also would have loved to see even Morgan Barron there because I think that those two guys can really benefit from having a bigger body guy with them who can kind of go into the um go into the corners, play kind of the the more meat and potatoes style of game and, you know, retrieve the puck and get it out to them. Um, but I also, uh, yeah, like putting, playing, putting Nemestikov there was fine. It, it's fine in, in a vacuum, but in a game like this where you're already trailing, uh, you're trying to get back that kind of momentum. I think that, uh, you know, giving an opportunity to someone who maybe has a higher ceiling who might actually be able to exceed expectations in that spot might have been a better call. Um, so I kind of wish that Rick Bonus might have done that there. But, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily put all of this specifically on him. Um, another thing that I, what I didn't love was his kind of usage of the different lines tonight. Like, it felt like... Adam Lowry's line was going out there a lot considering they're the, you know, the shutdown line in a game where the Jets can't score. And maybe this kind of, excuse me, we've been talking a lot about like depth with the Jets this year. And maybe we're kind of seeing the, the more difficult side of things where, you know, the depth isn't really getting it 
done. Um, and, you know, obviously the fact that the Jets are able to bring a guy like a Vlad Nemesikov up off of the fourth line, that's great. That's great for them. But this is the first time we really saw the Jets where they were kind of trailing behind and needed to, you know, score to get back uh, into a game. And it just seemed like they didn't really have it. Again, losing your top line winger is going to be tough on that. But... You know, it was just a tough showing all around tonight. So, uh, no, no definitive who won the trades tonight, of course. Um, but now maybe we're seeing a side of the Jets that maybe we weren't hoping to see uh, in regards to you know, because again, we've everyone's been kind of uh, championing the depth, the depth that the Jets have had uh, recently. But uh, I guess tonight was kind of the look into see what happens when it doesn't really work out. Oh, excuse me. Jeez. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. It was it was a very, very uh, a difficult game, I would say. Uh, did you have any uh, you know positive notes other than I know you kind of mentioned Rasmus Kupari there. Was there anything that was able to be pulled out of this game here? Uh, or is this just kind of a, a burn the tape kind of night? Uh, no, I, I, I think that that fourth line was, you know, a good. I mean, we all really only saw them as a as a whole for less than a period because everything was shuffled around. Um, I thought, I mean, there was very little conversion and it was kind of a negative for, I, I, I saw a lot of situations where the jets could have uh, produced a little more, uh, even just shots. But uh, I felt like when the puck ended up on like an Appleton's stick, it just nothing ever came of it. But I felt like they were getting the puck into the zone enough that if you started cycling a change, you could get the, you know, the lines out there. I thought that, you know, there were moments of, uh, you know, maybe they're pressing back a little bit. I thought that they did, especially that first period I thought was terrific. Um, and I thought it was a really good response after seeing Velarde go down, but obviously we know how the rest of the game went. So it's hard to pull a positive when you know the ending. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was definitely a tough game. Um, but I do like what you said there. And, and like, I don't know, I, I personally, I thought I saw some glimpses in the especially in the third period there were a couple glimpses where it looked like we at least saw the chemistry starting to develop a lot more with that second line they've been kind of a, a topic you know on the show with everyone uh you know is that line going to be able to succeed and you know despite you know some people may have wanted to maybe see you know Ehlers get bumped up to that line but i i i personally liked the thought of Keeping them together, again, maybe changing up who gets the you know the bump ups. But uh, I I did actually end up seeing uh, a lot of stuff from the second line. I end up liking tonight, but um, again, I, I it's really tough to you know take a ton of positives out of this game. Um, but there certainly were a lot of negatives. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, Brian, I'm I'm going to give you the the, the choice. Do you, is is do you want to go in on the ref? on the officiating right now, or do you want, do you want to speak a little bit more about the team? Because what I, what I think is, you know, I, I feel like we're going to end up going to the officiating because we do have to talk about it. It was, it was, it happened at a key point in the game. Um, I want to preface this by saying when, when dumb shit happens with the officiating with the refs, it sucks. It really does. It's very frustrating as a fan, but at the end of the day, it's, it's still a game. There's still 60 minutes. You still got to go out there and play the rest of the game. So while I think that the officiating had a significant effect on this game here, uh, I also think that the Jets did not have the pushback that we saw that we would like to see. Um, so would you like, wait, I don't know. I feel like I kind of teed you up for the officiating. What, what do you want? What do you want to go off on here? Uh, I think the biggest thing is less so like, I mean, there's a lot of dumb calls 
a lot of phantom calls, a lot of non calls. Uh, I think the thing though, that I kind of want to tee off on here are two things. One, it's the consistency. Uh, and more specifically, the consistency of how interference is called in the NHL, <laughs> where uh, sometimes you can uh, look at a guy the wrong way, which is essentially what happened with uh, Morgan Barron tonight, um, and you get called an interference, or uh, you can essentially get hauled down, going down into the attacking zone and not actually you know, get a call. I think that by the book, it's supposed to be if you impede someone from attaining the puck. Yeah. Or getting to the puck, essentially. Essentially, if you're just impeding someone from going where they want to go, uh, you should be calling interference. Um, I have no idea how you could possibly apply that rule to what happened with Baron tonight. Um, whatever, it happens. But I think that the fact that interference is probably the most inconsistently called penalty in that's probably the entire league. Uh, I think it it causes such a uproar when things do get called because it's no one really knows what it means it's kind of like goaltender interference oddly enough both essentially anything with interference in it, it you might as well you know flip a coin um and then the second thing that i have an issue with is the lack of accountability in terms of player safety yeah uh, i could count uh, and it would now take more than my two hands uh to say how many times i've seen cole perfetti take a shot from behind and then not get any sort of you know, benefit from the refs and get the penalty call. Uh, that that should have been at the very least a two minute penalty from um, I think it was Andreas Englund who hit him from behind very clearly in the numbers. Uh, very dangerous hit. We're very lucky that Perfetti didn't get more hurt there. Uh, and somehow the Kings came out of that with the power play because Samberg got the instigator. I, I just I don't understand. And if they were actually, you know, serious about protecting their players uh there would have actually been a call there so uh i don't know and then after that the game just kind of went all over the place prophetic came out of the box and decided to make some friends um and then uh yeah that was hmm, yeah it's i'm glad you brought up player safety because from then that point on the the game just became an absolute like circus for at least for the rest of that of that period. Luckily, of course, you know, you go there and you get some time to calm it down. LA goes, you know, don't take any stupid penalties. We're on the track to win this game. You know, Jets go, we got to win this game. We can't be taking penalties. So luckily it does end up uh, dying down coming into the third period. But what the, the Dylan Sandberg one to me is so interesting because the the whole point with the player safety thing is like either one the players will police the game themselves. Like that's one school of thought or the refs have to do the policing. And so in that, in that situation, there was no way for the jets to, uh, you know, the one of the jets players was the victim in this situation. And there was no retribution in any way. You know, of course, Dylan Sandberg ends up, ends up dropping gloves. Great, happy for, uh, very glad that he was able to, you know, stand up for one of his teammates, but the fact that he gets penalized there and the the very, very, very obvious call just gets missed is is just it, it's it's ridiculous in in just the the swing of things. And that purely is what causes, you know, Cole Perfetti to immediately come out and go, I'm going to cross check someone because, you know, 
what, what I, I just got cross-checked in the back and, and shoved in the boards. Uh, so I, you know, I, I'm, I'm also glad to see, you know, a little bit of pushback. We'll call it pushback from Perfetti, you know, in a different game, maybe you can criticize it for saying, Hey, that got things out more out of hand, you know, some more penalties come up on the board, but I, 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 it's just, it's just, it's just interesting. It's just very interesting to watch the, 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 the way everything happened. And I don't want to just say that, you know, the refs miss things on, on the jets, you know, like the jets were the victims here kind of thing. It's not that like I, I was tweeting about this earlier. All of this starts with the, the Morgan Baron. I mean, there's stuff before, but I think the Morgan Baron one was so very obviously a bad call. And I can, you can tell that the refs knew immediately that that was a bad call. What happens, uh, player on the Kings gloves it down. He doesn't have possession of the puck, but he still plays the puck. He's still eligible. He should be at least eligible to be hit there. You know, they call the interference call. It is what it is. Kings go on. Pierre Dubois gets his, his, like it wasn't a power play goal. It was right at the end of the power play, but very obviously the pressure from the power play causes that goal. And then immediately after the 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 can or the the refs call a penalty on Trevor Moore, which is a, a holding call, which is like he did nothing. He literally did nothing. He was just the guy who was near a guy who fell over uh, after a bad call. So he gets the makeup call, and then you know everything just kind of spirals from there. And so it, it really is frustrating as from the fans' point of view because you're going, what's even what's even fair here? Like, should they be you know evening it up? Should they not be? Should they just be moving forward and and you know refing it as they should, which is what the right thing to do is is to just call the game as it is, but everything just becomes a train wreck from there uh, after that. And then you miss the call uh, on, on Perfetti. And it was just, it was just bad. And, and it feels like this is the conversation I, we have on this show. We have, you know, every year we, as hockey fans, we are always constantly talking. We all have one or two games that we can remember where you're just like, yeah, the refing was terrible. I'm sure many Jets fans now are thinking back and going, oh, yeah, remember the wild games against the wild, like just murder happening. And it's terrible from a fan point of view, from a watching point of view. It's terrible from a player safety point of view. Like what needs to change here? And so uh, like, there's no there's no solution here. It's just get get better refs, train the refs to be better. The the refs need to be better. I don't know. I, I I don't even know where to go from here. It's just such a frustrating uh, thing. But again, like I said, this loss is not on the refs. The Jets still needed to have a better pushback and to come back from this. Uh, but unfortunately, they were kind of unable to. Um, I I, I want to ask you: is there is there anything in specific tonight? Well, how you know what? Let's let's talk a little bit about Pierre Luc Dubois coming back. Ah, yes. Um. What did you think of the uh, <laughs> of the reaction from the crowd uh, in regards to Pierre Dubois? Uh, do you think that that the booze kind of uh, you know maybe fueled him towards that goal? Uh, what did you think of uh, Pierre Dubois in his return to to Winnipeg? I felt like I heard his name a lot, and I, I, I if he didn't know that the booing was coming, I'd say it probably fueled him. But he's been probably he knew uh, with some of the stuff that he was saying and like before the game essentially saying that you know maybe if uh the depending on the reaction it might change his view on his time here and everything so i'm like you're fueling it so you know what's coming so i don't think it fueled him in the moment but i i I, he's obviously a little motivated to just show up and do the things that uh he can do when he's on and when he's fully present 
Um, and I thought that he was tonight and I felt like, uh, fairly regularly, he was the one who was getting the chances. Obviously he scored, which, uh, predictable. It feels like whenever there's either a milestone game or a returning player, you could mark it down immediately that they're going to score. Um, so no, it, it just, it, it's unfortunate that, uh, things ended the way they did with, with him, obviously, but uh, it was nice to see the fans all riled up and, uh, it was, it's, it's been a while since we've had like a very hostile crowd moment. And it felt like between that and the officiating, uh, there were, uh, some rabid fans, which unfortunately the jets weren't able to use to their advantage, obviously. But, um, no, I, I thought that Dubois though on the ice was what we've seen from him before. He's got that physical dominance. And I will say, uh, took one uh, hell of a shot there from uh, Dylan DeMello, and I loved every second of it. I even I even love when he kind of got manhandled by uh, by Shifley in the defensive zone. Maybe guess, Shifley is just an angry, angry man right now. What, and you know what? That, 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 that I, I've been kind of praising Shifley since you know the start of this season. Um, how how are you feeling on towards kind of the top line? I mean, obviously Velarde now uh, is injured, but uh, how have you been feeling towards you know Shifley towards Connor? Uh, because I personally, I, you know, Connor's one guy, but at least Shifley, like I feel like this year I've seen a lot more uh, effort towards the defensive side of things. Um, he's looked a lot better. He's, he feels more engaged. Um, how are you feeling on him these days? Uh, the the thing that I'm noticing the most is just the energy he's been bringing to these these games. Uh, obviously, it was blatant and obvious the effort that we saw from him against Florida, uh, recording another Gordy Howe hat trick to you know <laughs> stick as a feather in his cap. Um, but no, like I found that since the season has started, it just looks like he's fully and completely committed to being that number one center on this team. Uh, and I mean, we've seen flashes of it in the past years. And um, I, I think that the, the thing is for him is keeping it up. But the first three games of this year, I've been very happy with what I've seen out of him. And I think what's good too, is if he plays better, even slightly better defensively, uh, it's going to help Connor because uh, Kyle Connor is probably the most frustrating you know, 30 to 40 goal, you know, 70 point score that I've ever seen because he can do all these incredible things, but he's also one of the most frustrating to watch off the puck. So if he has to just have a little bit less on his plate because Shifley's, you know, doing just a little bit more, and I think it helps. Obviously, it's going to change now without Velarde, but if you can put someone on that wing who has a semblance of, you know, reasonable defense in their system, I think it helps the trio, but uh it starts with Shifley because if he goes back to where he kind of just mails it in on the back check it doesn't really matter what his line mates do yeah I I completely agree with you on that um as far as you know kind of tonight goes uh obviously things didn't go the Jets way uh the the obviously the injury is going to kind of force some changes uh is what do you think kind of needs to change between this game and when we play the uh, Vegas Golden Knights on Thursday is there any cha- lineup changes you'd make how do you think that they should kind of navigate the Velarde injury I know obviously today just pulling Vlad Nemestikov up is kind of what you do you're just kind of patching the tire is that what you do going forward is uh or do you start trying of you know mixing things up a little bit more and and also 
is there anyone you want to rag on and, you know, any sort of uh, uh, lineup changes other than just the forward side of things uh, that you would uh, that you'd like? Yeah. So firstly, I I'd want to see them try someone in that top line role without moving anything else around. Um, I feel like this early in the season, you're trying to establish chemistry uh, and you're seeing it already. I think with that second line, I mean, you kind of know what you're going to get with, with the Lowry line, but IFALO has been, you know, great from what I've seen. Um, but I think you need to try to just put someone from, I'd say lower down. So they're not going to be as, you know, involved already. So like I keep talking about them, but Rasmus Kapari, try him for a little bit, see if he can handle the matchup, see if he can handle the offense. And then if that's not working, then you start evaluating the other options and who to move around. Do you move up in Ehlers? But you you top load then. And that's the same issue that the Jets have had for the last several years is you top load. And then suddenly uh, the depth doesn't really matter because you don't know how to score in the bottom half. So I, I think what you need to do is you need to figure out if there's someone you can pull from deeper down that you've got maybe a, a plan for him and a ceiling. Um, but I don't know. It, it's It's hard to picture and i will take you up on your offer if i want to rag <laughs> on someone uh and i would like to uh take my aim at uh not one but two players on one pairing the dylan schmidt pairing is just awful like <laughs> just it's mind-blowing it's it's it is crazy i'm glad you i'm glad you kind of picked up what i was hinting at there because wow what what a travesty tonight like just awful like i multiple of those goals uh obviously being on the ice doesn't necessarily mean you're at fault but when you're the d-man it kind of kind of has to do with your area of, of expertise so uh but like even just that one uh goal i can't remember which which one it was it was i think it was the, the second goal the trevor moore goal both schmidt and dylan both left-handed shots i know schmidt plays right sometimes and probably was playing right here somehow they're both on the right side of the ice no one's in front uh, even one of the later on go- later goals, you, Brennan Dillon's just kind of standing in front doing nothing. Power play goal too. Like how how is you know I, I get he's Pierre Dubois and he's kind of he's a big guy, but no one's picking him up in front of the net. Um, that for me was was very 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 difficult um, <laughs> to to watch, and uh, I personally would like to see. Maybe, maybe uh, giving uh, you know Declan Chisholm a chance at some point uh, soon, just to get in the lineup and see how things go. Maybe not Thursday. I can see why. Maybe they want to you know keep the the vets in. Uh, but if you got a, you know one of the back to backs coming up sooner or later, I think it should. It's it's you know very clearly. I don't think that the 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 current Jets decor, the all the six players that played tonight. I don't think that that they are far and away very clearly better than anyone you might have sitting in the uh, press box. Uh, so I think it's a, it's a, almost the time to give that a shot, uh, just as it might be probably soon time to give uh, Laurent Brassois a shot. Uh, I, I would say that thir- Thursday is the best opportunity. And also you can do the whole revenge game plot. And yeah, uh, like it's, it's an interesting situation. But just before we move on from the defense, I just want to say one thing. Mm-hmm. And I've been a, I've been a Vili Hainel, a truther for a long, <laughs> long time. But with what we've seen out of Schmidt, uh, Vili getting hurt when he was very clearly slated to be the guy to knock Schmidt out of the lineup has damaged that third pairing greatly. 
Yeah, it's it's really difficult. The like the only the the one single positive I can give to the Jets right now, the the one positive, and again, I I don't I, I'm very very sad to see that Hanola got injured. I think he was about to make the team. He was about to make a difference. Uh, at least this put, kicks the can down the road a little bit longer. So my hopes is that they saw the writing on the wall. It was pretty obvious that he has or deserves to get a shot on this lineup. Um, and they need to make the changes accordingly because not, n- you know, there's no other waiver exempt D man in that decor. So either you got to move them or, or, or test them on waivers. So uh, the one, the, the one maybe little bit positive that you can take away from it is that maybe the jets give some, get a little bit more time to figure things out there. Uh, again, just a positive in the middle of a bunch of shit to be, to be very clear. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, it really, really, uh, really, really damaged that bottom pair because it's just stylistically, at least right now, it just doesn't seem like those two guys work together. And, you know, for me personally, like I found I, between the two of them, I was more upset with Brennan Dillon tonight. Uh, you know, Schmidt has had oh, yeah. uh, a, a tough couple games also too, you know, obviously he has that one really tough icing in the, uh, in the Calgary game, but we're at a point here where I don't know. It's, it's, you're, you're starting to figure out if maybe one of the young guys can definitely come in and take one of those spots from those guys. I really hope that, uh, Billy gets the chance once he is healthy, uh, wishing him a, a quick recovery. Um, yes. before, before we move on to, you know, talking, uh, uh, any other things, uh, you know, we'll be asking for questions right away in the chat. Um, so get those ready. Uh, the only other thing, like, like when it comes back to the forward, like one thing that I would like to, tr- I would like to see tried on that wing. I, as much as I love the Rasmus Kupari idea, the, you know, the Morgan Barron idea, I think those are both good options for trying something and seeing if it sticks. But I also think that Alex, I has got more to give here. I feel like Alex, I I said this, I think a couple shows ago feels like a much more premium, a, a bit more premium version of what Vlad Nemestikov can kind of bring to the table. Um, and I think that he can provide uh, a, you know, a, a worker kind of role, uh, defensive conscience kind of role to maybe one of those top six lines. So personally, like I would love to see what he can do with Shifley and, and Connor. But again, he's not like a great scorer or anything. So, uh, but at the same time, like Shifley and Connor shouldn't need, uh, you know, they don't need to have, a guy on their line who is specifically a scorer. Like those guys can do that part. They need someone who can do the rest of the game. Right. Um, and also, you know, as far as the third line goes, like we've already seen, you know, Morgan Barron have success with Adam Lowry and, Ma- and Mason Appleton. We've already seen, um, geez, uh, I guess Vlad Nemeskov in that role there too. So I think there's a lot that can be done on the forward end of things. I would like for them to give a couple things a shot. I'm all for trying things. That is usually things I would like to do first, but, um, you know, if they're going to try and play it safe and just try to go for, you know, what makes a lot of sense, I think that Alex, I follow makes a lot of sense in that spot. Yeah. I, I tend to agree. Like, and he's, it's not like he's unproven. Like it's not like he's played down in the lineup his whole career. Um, there were the dark days in LA where there was not a whole lot of, um, you know, promise for a little bit. And he played in those top six roles. And I mean, it's not, he's not flashy by any means, but, he's one of those guys that I'm sure that if he was put into a situation where he needed to find a little bit more offensively, he seems like a guy who's smart enough to find the areas that he needs to be to be successful, whether that's facilitating or just being in the dirty areas to help bury a rebound from one of Connor or Shifley. 
Yeah, I I agree. I completely agree there. Uh, and Thursday, you would you be putting Brassois out there, or how? What are you thinking? I think it's I think it's the time for it. Um, I I mean Hellebuck hasn't been his sparkling self the first you know few games. It's not all him, and there's been a lot of serious you know errors and judgment around him that have led to these chances. Um, but I mean, I saw it too, where like there are certain goals that I would very much like him to have back, mm-hmm. and I'm sure he would too. Um, but I, I think early it'd be nice to get you know uh, Brassois into a game just to see uh, if he's you know just back to because he got hurt at the end of last year, and but mm-hmm. he was looking really really good after he you know kind of took over the <laughs> Vegas net because all 13 of their goalies got hurt, um, and. I think that this is the time to try it because worst case scenario, uh, it's giving Hellebuck a night off early. Uh, best case scenario, you're finding out that Brassois is still a very good goaltender and a very capable backup who can play more games than what we've been able to do in the last few years. Um, but I think it's also worth mentioning too that, uh, especially in the last few years, obviously he's getting a little bit older now, but Hellebuck has had a historically rough start to the seasons. Um, and because of that, I'm not overly concerned yet, but it's nice to have Brassois to fall back on that. If for whatever reason, this carries on longer than we would like, I'm not terrified to put him in the net. Like I was maybe last year with Dave Riddick. Um, and, (laughs) or even the fact that before we signed Brassois, there was a brief moment there where I thought that we were legitimately planning on going into the season with Colin Delia back there. Yeah, it's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I I actually I actually like Colin Delia more than most people I think I, I I think that he's he's decent but not definitely nowhere near would not be comfortable going into the season with him as our backup that's for sure I'd, um, I'd love to see him too doing a lot more with the moose this year because uh, it'd be nice if they could also get some confidence down there because they've had a plenty of games uh, over the last couple of years where they should be winning and their goaltending has just let them down yeah it's the the moose are, are an interesting team. I don't know enough about them. I just know that they've got all the all the young guys playing there and uh and just naturally are very fun. Um <laughs> but when it comes back to like Bruce Wall, like I'm just I'm I'm just glad that the Jets hopefully hopefully, like I said, have a backup that can steal some games from Hellebuck because yeah. there's no goddamn way he should be playing sixty-five games or whatever you played last year. I'm not sure. Um so hopefully Brassois can come back into form. And yeah, I think I think it's just natural to play him against the Vegas Golden Knights just because, you know, give him the uh, his old team, you know, the I feel like that's just kind of natural. And it is about time that we give uh, Hellebuck a bit of a rest. And uh, I'm glad that you, p- you pointed out that he didn't hasn't had the greatest start to the season. While again, I don't think that we can blame him necessarily for uh, this tonight's loss or even the loss uh, against the Calgary Flames. But, uh, you know, at the same time, you got to hope that your starting goalie, your Vesna caliber goalie uh, can be a little bit better than uh, he was. Uh, all right. Uh, before we get out of here, just a couple questions. If you guys have any other questions, please huck them into the chat uh, from uh, from top line media. Uh, can Kyle Connor be productive without two drivers? Uh, that's a tough one because I'll be honest in a lot. I've done a lot of thinking on this because I think that he has the skill set to be one of the most prolific goal scorers in the league. Uh, but I also see what happens when he gets the puck, even when like when, if he's getting the puck and he's not 
gearing up to shoot, it feels like he's just a little bit behind in his decision making. Mm-hmm. Um, so he needs, at the very least, one guy who can you know help drive play a little bit to get him to a position where he can succeed. Uh, I would not feel confident uh, in his <laughs> uh, you know his production if he had to try and carry play on his own. Um, it's uh, I feel like it's just the reality. That's the thing. You know what you're going to get from him. It's he's not like he's young anymore. You, he is a well-proven guy in the league and you know exactly what you're getting from him year in, year out. So I think at this point it would be uh, a shock to see him find the same level of success that he has without those play drivers. Yeah. Uh, from Abby, a Boston fan here, what was the biggest negative from this game compared to the last two, or is it the same? Uh, I j- it just felt like they were just very disjointed. Like it felt like obviously the last little bit of the Florida game, it felt like they were a little bit closer to giving that one away than I would have liked. Uh, but it still felt like they were a bit more of a co- cohesive, you know, squad that was just firing on all on just on all cylinders, and they looked like that in the first period. But they just felt just a little discombobulated when they came out for the second, and then for the rest of the game, where they just one wrong step and it seemed like everything was going wrong for them. And I think that affected them where it felt like they had to be perfect. Uh, and I don't think it, obviously they weren't, but I think it, when you put that undue pressure onto yourself, uh, it doesn't help. Yeah. I like for me, like I think that the biggest issue from this game was the lack of pushback, like in the other games. And, you know, obviously it's, it's a bit different when, um, when you're you know when you're trying to get back into a game you know and you've been kind of pushed out of it both through the injuries through the emotion through you know all the the roughing stuff but one of the things that was i was really praising for for the jets that really gave me confidence in them was that last two games like it felt like they were constantly pushing they never took their foot off the pedal and even if they did it felt like they were you know in in a couple shifts they were going to be back to you know putting the pressure on uh, offensively but this game it just felt like they just couldn't do anything it felt like once everything kind of hit the fan in in the middle of the second period it felt like this team was had given up and even near like the end of the game you know like obviously the the kings get those two you know stat patterns near the end but like the last few shifts after one of those goals. Like I remember it just looked like everyone was just going, okay, like just can we, it it felt like if this were a beer league game, the the jets would have just went up to the refs and just said, we're done. Like, let's just go home kind of thing. So that is, is one thing that has me a little bit concerned because uh, you know, pushback motivation, uh, energy. Those are a lot of the things that contributed to the Jets' downfall last year. Um, and while things have looked good, uh, it is a bit worrying to see those things creep back in. Again, it could just be an anomaly tonight. It could just be that everything coincidentally just went wrong, which a lot of things did, to be fair. But at the end of the day, I would have loved to see a little bit more pushback. Um, alrighty. Well, you know what? We've been going for about 40 minutes here. I think that should be good enough for tonight. Unfortunately, didn't go the way that we wanted. Uh, Brian, thank you so much for for hopping in here. You ca- you carried the show tonight. I feel like I just asked you questions and you ran with it. Uh, really appreciate you, everyone. Obviously, go listen to uh, Level Fly Podcast. Uh, give Brian a follow on uh, on Twitter at ywg Brian with an I. Uh, anything else you want to plug? Uh, or did I get everything? <laughs> 
Uh, well, I will just say uh, we are recording our 50th episode of Level Flight Podcast uh, tomorrow. Um, so that will be coming out on Thursday morning. So make sure to go uh, and listen to that. Um, and then, yeah, just uh, follow me on Twitter to hear my very <laughs> odd musings. Um, and one more thing I did see in the chat here to answer uh, Jay. Yes, I am wearing a pitching ninja hat. Uh, we... Uh, we we love uh you know rob and what he does with uh, the the visualizations there and uh had to buy this hat and it's the most comfortable <laughs> hat i own i saw that question and i'm like i'm worried that this is like a like a, a wrong <laughs> uh, an innuendo type of thing that i'm missing but uh i do now can i do now see that it is in fact a ninja and a baseball so you know what uh yes. anyways <laughs> uh anyways let's let's wrap this up here brian thanks again uh <laughs> everyone uh you know ov- obviously go file follow brian uh follow at scpn sports follow uh at angel chunky uh at candy size list hood uh, uh all the all the stuff like the stream follow subscribe all that stuff anyways thank you all for watching uh list will be joining you guys on thursday uh after the the vegas golden knights game i'll be going to the game uh hopefully it should be a fun one against the former stanley cup champions but once again thank you for tuning in have yourselves a good evening peace out